Welcome to The Good Life. I'm your host, Sean Murray. Before I introduce today's guest, I just want to say thank you to the many people who've reached out to me personally. And if you haven't done so already, and you're a regular listener to the show, I encourage you to send me an email at sean at theinvestorspodcast.com. Ask me a question. Tell me what topics you'd like to cover, what guests interested you the most. I look forward to hearing from you, and I will respond. Also, please provide a review of the podcast. This will make it much easier for people to find us on Apple and Spotify and other podcast apps. Now for today's episode, I'm really excited about my guest today. His name is Matt Walker, author of Adventure in Everything. He's a professional mountain guide and an expedition leader. He's guided expeditions on all seven continents, and he's a professional coach and a keynote speaker. Today's topic is how to manage our lives both personally and professionally through the COVID-19 pandemic. How by treating this experience like an adventure with all of the associated risks and dangers and yet holding out the possibility of reaching new heights, we can come out of this stronger and healthier than before. And we'll talk about how to manage our stress so we can tap into the creativity we all need to get through this. I hope you enjoy my conversation with Matt as much as I did. My friends, I bring you Matt Walker. You're listening to The Good Life on the Real-Time Podcast Network, where we explore the ideas, principles, and habits that help you live a meaningful, flourishing life. Join your host, Sean Murray, on a journey for the life well-lived. Matt, welcome to The Good Life. Thanks, Sean. It's like to be here. Well, you're a mountain guide. You've guided on every continent for the past 25 years. You also have a company, Matt Walker Adventure, where you teach team building and leadership to executives, sometimes taking executives on expeditions. And you have a master's in psychology. You do keynotes. And I'm just really excited to have you on the podcast today to talk about this experience that we're all kind of collectively experiencing around this COVID-19 pandemic. And we're all experiencing higher levels of stress, anxiety, moving into the unknown. And I wanted to have a guest on that deals with and helps manage people that go through higher levels of stress and anxiety and dealing with the unknown. So thanks for coming on the show. Thanks for inviting me. We're in a unique time as I'm sure it'll unfold during our conversation today, but I'm right alongside everyone else in terms of the ups and downs of how it's impacting me personally and professionally. And at the same time, it's this sort of experience is right in my sweet spot in terms of how to manage anxiety and uncertainty. It's what I do for a living. So what advice do you have for people that are perhaps going into these times and starting to experience anxiety, higher levels of stress, with our minds sort of racing about the unknown, I find myself reading a lot of news and wondering, okay, what if this happens? What if that happens? How is this going to unfold? And there seems to be some parallels to the kinds of stressful situations you might find yourself in in the mountains and some of the training that you provide around helping people remain calm under pressure, dealing with uncertainty, and dealing with stress. I'm actually approaching this whole situation as an expedition. And what I mean by that is in some ways it's, it really is an expedition in terms of 
how we're managing social distancing. If you think about your house as a tent or a base camp or something like that, like we're literally experiencing a beginning, a middle, and an end to this whole thing and doing it in our little silos along the way. And one of the key components when planning an expedition is risk management. So when I plan an expedition, the very first thing I do is identify what is the goal. And the goal is not the summit. It's not the uh, the highest point or the success in terms of binary standing on the top or not. But really, the goal for every expedition is that people come home safe, secure, and healthy. And, and the secondary piece to that is that we also return home as friends. And, and so I'm approaching this experience from that perspective. And one of the very first things I do after kind of acknowledging what the goals are and what the intention is behind the expedition is I create a risk management plan. And from that risk management plan, once that's solid in place, it then allows me to be able to relax into the challenges and the uncertainty and the unknowns because there's always a backstop from which I know things are going to be managed if things go poorly or things reach a challenging place. So it's that kind of backstop. What I, what I'll use the word container for our conversation that like this risk management plan is essentially a container from which I can then operate my business. I can be in relationship with my family. I can take in and digest information from the outside world, knowing that I have this kind of space to work in in the event that things go poorly. So I'm not, I'm not working from a reactive space. Instead, I'm responding to new inputs using this kind of risk management plan as a way of framing that. And so one thing I'd like to do is today is just kind of talk about what is a risk management plan for this sort of situation really look like. And that that is actually a, a few hours of work on our end is a gift to our businesses. And it's a gift to our families and loved ones and to ourselves that we can then let our guards down and actually start to slow down and enjoy some of the unintended consequences that have come as a result of this situation. Yeah, I'd like to dive into that. And, but I'd also like to acknowledge the other point that you just made about the objective of any expedition. And maybe we should think about the objective for ourselves and our families as we go through this crisis. The objective you mentioned for the expedition was to come back safe, healthy, and with relationships intact. And we so often go into kind of a quote-unquote expedition in our life with the goal being the summit. And we're kind of used to that in our normal life and striving for the summit and at all costs or what price the summit. But when you reframe it in the way you just did, it already sort of has a calming effect of thinking about that as the ultimate goal. And we should all think about what our goal is coming through this. Yeah, I mean, that slight reframe and acknowledgement of what is our end goal in this, it gives us grace and it gives us the ability to be able to lead our businesses and our families from a different place. We're in this social distancing space right now, right? So many of us are living in our homes full time with everyone in them. And in my case, I have four adults, including myself, and two children in my home. It's a very tight space. But what the reframe allows me to do is it allows me to give more grace to those that are around me. If someone's having a bad day, someone's challenged, someone's sad, someone's overwhelmed, feeling lonely, feeling isolated, whatever it is, it gives me an opportunity to give that person 
more latitude because I, I'm going to be able to work in service to what that goal is. And that's, I feel like that's a substantial gift that we give to each other during this time, during the uncertainty. Absolutely. I've also read, I think it was on Twitter, someone put out the tweet that said, be kind to yourself as you go through this. It's incredibly difficult to be kind to ourselves when we have expectations of high levels of performance and high levels of output. There's always ways that we can be doing better and doing more. And sometimes it really is just, I got to put everything down. I got to close my machine and tell my loved ones and I'll be back in 15 minutes and go for a walk and get some air. It's definitely working smarter and not working harder. And I think that may be one of these other pieces of unintended consequence that are coming out of this is we have to slow down and work smarter. And uh, working harder is not the solution to this problem and to this challenge that we're in. To keep the analogy running about mountain climbing or being on an expedition, if I think about the next, say, three to six months in my own business, I do leadership development and deliver workshops as you as do you out there in the world. And many of those workshops and that business has gone away. So it's almost as if if you think about climbing a mountain and you've got the summit, you think the summit's the ultimate goal. I'm sure there's a time in any expedition where things don't go as planned and everyone has to collectively realize, hey, we're not going to make the summit today. Now it's all about getting off this mountain and surviving. And it's almost like collectively went through that transition in the last couple of weeks. I would shift the analogy slightly and just say that there's a phenomenon when you're on bigger mountains where there's on a ridge where you see the last thing that you see on the skyline of that ridge, it looks like the top when in actuality it's called a false summit. It's not the top at all. It's just the last perspective that you can see from the angle you're at. And once you top that part of the mountain, then the landscape opens up and you get to see what's beyond that. And I kind of feel like that's kind of where we're at right now is we're looking at a place where we thought was the summit. And now that we're there, it's like, actually, we're not there. And there's considerably more terrain to go. And it looks different. And at this point, it was completely unknown to us. So what I'm finding in my business, and I think if we kind of like collectively look out across the, the landscape is everyone is rejigging what the norm is in terms of their workflow, how they're interacting with each other, what does cash flow look like, how to manage capital differently, how to manage resources. And what I'm finding is that this is a piece I wanted to talk about as well, is that there's so much shift and change in terms of input and the necessity to to rejig our businesses happening all the way across the board that it can feel incredibly overwhelming and lead to high levels of anxiety and depression and feeling of this overwhelm that we can get frozen into it. And the only way to work through that space is one increase our self-awareness so that when we are triggered to feel that sense of overwhelm, we can identify it within our bodies, whether it's an elevated heart rate, we're holding our breath, we're having circular thoughts, we're short with those around us, whatever that trigger is for our anxiety, that we then go back to that self-care so that we can create more space. Because if you think about a target that has all the concentric circles of coming off of a bullseye, and the first two circles of of the concentric circles, the first two are kind of where we operate normally and where we can learn and, and meet challenge. And then as we start to expand outward and the demands are higher on us, we reach a point where we actually 
we can no longer, we redline, we can't function in that space anymore. And that's what's happening when we have to really take in simultaneously the information that our businesses and that our norms are being restructured. And we're not sure how to actually do that. We spread ourselves out so far that our nervous system can't handle it anymore and we shut down. And so we want to kind of get into a space of being able to come back to center, to do different types of self-care, you know, exercise, diet, relaxation techniques, connecting with friends and family, whatever we can do to be able to come back to center to recharge so that we can go back out again and not get redlined. So I think one of the substantial learnings from this experience is that everyone has to increase their capacity for self-awareness and their self-actualization so that they can then show up and run their businesses and not just be totally shut down and redlined by it. I think that's going to be the differentiating factor that leads us to success is how aware are you of how you're responding to stress and anxiety and overwhelm? Are you able to regulate that? Yeah, that's a very good question. And to that, I would add, this is kind of a second order effect, but how do we come out of this transformed? How is this going to transform us or how do we come out of this stronger in some ways, maybe emotionally, mentally stronger, able to manage stress in new ways, better able to center ourselves, calm ourselves, make better decisions under uncertainty. So I hope we can dive into all that. I want to transition back to something you mentioned very early on, which was a risk management plan and how that plays into an expedition. Because once the goal of the expedition is clearly stated that we all come home safely and with the relationships intact, you mentioned that the risk management plan was the key to ensuring that and also providing, it sounds like, some calming effect as you go through the expedition that you know the plan is in place. What I've done for my own family, what I would encourage others to do is to take a couple hours and then open up a document and literally hash out what is your risk management plan. So what is your plan for What's your plan for if someone in your household gets sick? Do you have the materials that you need? All the way down to, in my household, we've created manila envelopes that have each family member's ID cards, their insurance cards, medical history, and code to their phone and their laptop, emergency contact information, the sort of information that you would want if family member was sick and needed medical care so that that information was on hand. You didn't have to search for it. So that's the kind of detail I go into in terms of, do I have the materials just to take care of somebody if they are sick? And when I say materials, I mean like meds, paper products, trash bags, just kind of like all the details of what I would want to have. And then what would I do in in terms of medical care? And then how would I want to support them? And then how would I connect with their loved ones and their extended family and pass the word through? So I'm not fear-mongering or acting from a place of, of terror. Instead, I'm just creating a plan so that if someone does fall ill or get sick, there's some sort of system that's already in place in order to support them. And that only takes a couple hours of work to create that. Additionally, I would do the same thing for my business. So what am I doing for my business? What is my goal over the next three months? What are the, the things I need to attend to? and kind of come up with a plan around that. Same thing with my financial situation. How am I handling my bills over the next three months? How am I handling invoicing? Or So my encouragement is not to go into a place of fear-mongering or terror. Instead, it's take a couple hours to create a plan that's 
pretty detailed in terms of like what if scenarios if things were to cascade negatively around your business, your family, and your home, and the health and well-being of, of those in your home. And once those are completed, that's the risk management plan. You'll see the gaps, and those gaps need to be attended to, whatever's missing from them or whatever needs to be done. And once those pieces are identified, it allows you all the anxiety and fear that you've been holding within your body of questioning and the unknowns, it allows you to let that go and just literally your nervous system can relax into the container of knowing that there is a plan in place in the event XYZ happens. And once your nervous system allows that to be acknowledged, you can then move back into a place of creation. And that's where our businesses need to be right now because we have to create in order to thrive and operate in this landscape. But we can't do both at the same time. We can't hold fear and terror while also holding creativity and like kind of a shift in perspective in terms of running our businesses. Those two pieces run counter to each other. So I see that as, as an integral part of a successful expedition is being able to plan for the worst and prepare for the best. So let's take the time to do that, but don't stay in that space that long. And I think you mentioned that earlier. It's like, you know, how do you manage all the news and input of information and that sort of thing? And having a plan in place allows you to release yourself from that anxiety. And I think once you reach that point, you don't actually need to take in all this unknown information because you already have a plan a plan in place to take care of yourself. I really can relate to this idea that it's very difficult to create when you're under a sense of fear or anxiety. We do need to create to move forward in this, whether it's moving your family forward towards your plan or moving relationships forward, moving your business forward. There is opportunity to move forward, but if you're debilitated by fear or anxiety, it's very, very challenging. So I can relate to this idea that if you've got the plan in place, it sort of frees up the mental space to apply your mental energy, which is really a limited resource right now. Put your mental energy towards something that's going to allow you to move forward. Right. And the reality is you can't do that until there's a sense of safety and security. And that sense of safety and security comes from that risk management plan. And I would posit that as leaders of our, in our businesses and, and in our families, that we owe that to our community and our businesses and our families to be able to create that opportunity for safety and security in uncertainty. We're never going to be able to to be safe and secure against all risks, but we can mitigate those risks by having a plan in place. And it's not going to come from an external source. It needs to come from somewhere internal within our circles. You mentioned the kind of the obligation or the duty to our community if we have the capacity to step up and lead in some way, because most likely others will not be dealing with this at the same level. Not everyone's going to have a plan in place, but if we're able to put the plan in place, have the mental space to and mindset to make decisions and move forward, then we can think beyond ourselves to our family, to our relationships, to our community, reach out to others. Don't just look internally, but look externally of how we can help others. It's really difficult to do that if you can't lead yourself first. That's right. I would share with you and the audience is like, when I created this document for myself, this risk management plan for my business and for my family, I would say within 48 hours of finishing that, it wasn't immediate. My entire nervous system relaxed and I was able to just breathe more. 
I didn't feel as much tension. I wasn't having as dramatic emotional mood swings. And I was in a much calmer place and frankly, more enjoyable to be around for other people and myself and was able to take my business in a different direction and start to think more creatively. But it was creating, kind of going through this process, which allowed me to then move into a place of creation, which I was did not have access to previously. I know you when you work with executives and teams, you do a lot of work with helping people manage their breathing, manage their physical presence in some ways through your meditation or stretching or yoga or other forms of creating more presence. What you're referring to is what's called embodiment work, which is connecting your emotional and cognitive experience together with your physical experience. And from a Western perspective, we really quickly go to critical thinking and problem solving. And what I ask my clients to do is also to check in and understand how their body is physically responding and reacting. How do they hold stress? How are they blocking themselves from thinking with more creativity and shifting perspective by only staying in their head and instead open up their body to more information and to have that as a more of an open channel? So I'll share one thing that I'm doing with my clients right now, which I think is really helpful. So I am doing these seven-day challenges right now with my clients. And what I'm asking them to do is to take a closer look at four different domains in their lives, their physical health and well-being, their personal relationships, their spiritual life, and their professional life. And to identify one specific goal that they want to attend to just in a seven-day period. These are like little short seven-day challenges, which as we know right now in the environment we're in, seven days feels like an eternity. Like each day kind of feels like a week in itself. The course of seven days, I identify one specific goal they want to attend to and then one specific action in order to get there. And so what I'm asking people to do is to mix up their routines so that they are doing both cognitive and critical thinking and physical and emotional work. And so connecting those two pieces together. So it could involve breath work. It could involve just consistent exercise, deeper eating more, eating as healthy as possible, getting more sleep, decreasing alcohol intake, things like that. So that we're actually are creating opportunities to be able to experience what's happening in our bodies instead of just trying to stay in our heads and from a problem solving place. And we live in our bodies. Our bodies give us have a tremendous amount of information to deliver to us. When we are tense and anxious, we hold our breath more. We only breathe from the top part of our lungs. We pull our shoulders up with tension up towards our ears. We don't sleep as well. We're not able to relax. And so what I when I work with my clients, it's really about trying to connect the dots on all those things so that we tap into our bodies as teachers for letting us know what we need in order to be able to soothe our nervous system and be able to move into that place of creation and flow that we were talking about earlier. Anxiety and overwhelm is a great teacher if we can do it in moderation. And right now, we're definitely not in a place of moderation. So we have to then be more aggressive about taking care of our physical bodies in order to be able to handle this level of uncertainty and overwhelm. What we're entering into right now, the longer this goes on, is that it's just becoming more and more of a challenge because it's going to take that much more discipline to be able to take care of our bodies. It's a really good point. Just a few weeks ago, I had Brad Stolberg on the podcast. He wrote a book called Peak Performance and has an equation he calls the growth equation called stress plus rest equals growth. And he emphasized that a certain amount of stress is helpful for us to grow. 
too much stress becomes distress and debilitating anxiety, it prevents us from growing. But if we can manage the stress in some way, it's really important to get the rest, which I think is what you're talking about there. And one thing I've noticed in my own life in the last couple of weeks is I am more physically tired at night. I am sleeping a little bit longer and deeper. And I think it's the counterweight to the stress during the day of my body needs to rejuvenate and to get to the growth. And I think we all have an opportunity to grow through this and come out stronger and transformed in ways that will help us through the rest of our lives. But we need to take care of our bodies to do that. Just to put a pin on that, I think what I've seen so far with my clients who have only been coaching them now virtually instead of seeing them in person, what I've heard all the way across the board is I'm not willing to go back to the way it was before. Just this three weeks of time where people have had the opportunity to slow down a little bit, people have expressed to me that they are no longer willing to go back to some of the old patterns they had before where they just were running redlined all the time. And so I think that could be you know, one of these big takeaways from this experience is that we're being forced into a position where for better or worse, and I think for better, that we have to really tap into an understanding of how our bodies are responding. And when we do that, it gives us the information that I've neglected my personal health and well-being so much by pushing so hard so consistently that I'm no longer willing to make that sacrifice any longer. And I need to make adjustments in my professional life in order to address that. So I think there are going to be some substantial outcomes from this experience where we won't return back to the same baseline we were at before. I think we're all sort of asking, what are the societal trends that are going to come out of this? How is this collective experience going to impact society and culture moving forward? And I tend to agree with what you're saying as far as this has forced us all to slow down. It's forced us all to spend more time with family. I found I've had more family meals together in the last two weeks than I probably had in the previous two months. The kids aren't doing the sports that they are, which often would fall during times of meals. And, and I think about people that might be used to commuting that aren't commuting right now, people that might have their schedules completely filled up with meetings and might have more time for reflection. So I hope we all come out of this with some positives and are unwilling to reinsert the things into our life that, that were negative. I was just doing an audit for a client in terms of time management for an executive team. And what we found going into this whole crisis and then also in it in more detail was that people were really unwilling to give up their time for cursory engagements. And what I mean by that was like meetings that they weren't necessarily needing to attend, but they were invited to. Like that that feeling was like, my time is valuable. And that was up and down the chain. So it wasn't just executives feeling that way, but it was also frontline workers. It was like, all of our time is valuable and that we should be able to honor that across the board. So I have a feeling that this is going to have larger repercussions as that perspective is taken on by businesses, that everyone's time has deep value. And it's not just tied to the organization, but also tied to our families and how we make choices in terms of, do we want to return to a pace of life where 
our families are being pulled to six different curricular extracurricular activities after a full day of work for the adults. Like, is that the sort of model we want to return back to? Do I want to return back to a model where I'm in six hours of meeting a day and then I've got six hours of work I need to do, um, you know, between work and home in order just to execute? So I think our time management is going to shift dramatically as a result of this. Yeah, we're going to be asking ourselves what's essential, looking at them through the frame of what's really important, kind of getting back to that very first idea that you mentioned at the beginning of the podcast around what's the goal? Are we using our time wisely and investing it wisely to achieve that goal? I would ask that from that risk management perspective as well as like, what is essential? So, and I would ask it from the perspective of what is essential for me to relax into this uncertainty? This may be a new question that people are not accustomed to asking themselves. So if I embrace and recognize that uncertainty is always going to be there, it's never going away. There's no amount of planning. There's no amount of control that I can attempt to muscle into this that's going to shift the uncertainty. What can I address? What can I bring to this situation to allow me to relax into uncertainty? I think that's a great place to operate from in terms of how we rejig our business, like creating a risk management plan for your business, but also creating a risk management plan for your family and your home. How can I create safety and security and relax into the uncertainty of this experience? I really firmly believe that if you can answer that question and create that sort of framework for yourself and your family and your business, it will open up the door for you to be able to then really step into being present during this time, decreasing fear, and then also relaunching your business at a time when everyone is kind of scrambling and not sure how to operate. That's one of the more profound changes that this pandemic has sort of thrust on many of us is we're used to being in control, having a lot of control over our time, over our our lives, over how things are going to unfold. Many of us are finding that in this experience, we don't have as much control. That's where the uncertainty comes in. But what we can control, that plan, we can control how we take care of ourselves. We can control how we react to events. We can control the embodiment that you are talking about as far as being aware of our bodies and how we're dealing with stress, getting the right amount of food, exercise, mental rest. All of that is under our control. Right. I mean, I know for myself, like the more structure that I give myself, the more I'm actually, ironically, the more I'm able to relax into the unstructured time of my life. So I know it's a little bit of a paradox, but the more structure that I give myself, the more I'm able to relax into the unstructured time. So to be able to play with my children and not even sweat what's happening in my business or my inbox or be able to put my phone down for hours at a time, not feeling like I need to check to see what the latest update or news is. All of that freedom for creativity and for thinking more clearly about my business and the opportunities there and how to serve my clients comes from being more proactive about having a vision for how to manage risk. So ironically, we just left at a time when there was a very robust economy where there was a lot of opportunity flowing freely that we didn't have to be that proactive about. And then all of a sudden, this is thrust upon us, which is a significant but beautiful challenge. And it really just pairs down to like, what is the essential? Like you've mentioned a couple of times now, what is the essential step that I need to take? And is it in alignment with how my business is structured? And even more importantly, am I in a place to execute? And without calming our own nervous system, 
We're not going to be in a place to execute. We're not going to be trustable by our colleagues and by our family. And the more grounded we are, the more trustable we're going to be. And that's going to come from creating a structure and then also the embodiment work you mentioned earlier. It's like being grounded so that we're not spinning out with anxiety. I'd like to go back to your seven-day challenge. And what I like about Mm -hmm. that is it gives you something to focus on at the end of the seven days you can reflect on hopefully making progress on that one thing. So it's a what I call a just manageable challenge. Pick that up from Brad Stolberg. Let me just come back to the seven-day challenge for a second and encourage any listeners that want more information on it or want to be held accountable to send me an email and I'll, I'll send them a PDF for this in the show notes for you. But you can send me an email at, at mattwalkeradventure.com and I'll follow up with the documentation on it as well. But what we're trying to do is just create digestible habits that aren't so significant that they're radically shifting your behavior, but that in small increments, we're making adjustments so that your values and your actions are in alignment. And that's really what we've been talking about all along is, are your values and your actions in alignment? So that risk management plan is your values and your actions coming together. Like this, this is my plan for worst case scenario. Same thing with what we are talking about, like rejigging our businesses during this time. Are our values and our actions in alignment? And if they are, then we're trustable and our nervous systems are calm and cool because we're able to, we know that our behaviors are in alignment and working from that space allows us to be open and engage with others. I think this goes without saying, but I'm going to say it anyway. Um, the more normal, habituated routine we can bring into uncertainty, the better. So very simple things like washing your face, brushing your teeth, taking a shower and putting fresh clothes on before you go to work each day, even though you're working at home, you know, that sort of routine allows us to be able to show up with more clarity and allows us to shift. One thing that I really encourage people to do is to put on their uniform for the day. So get out of pajamas, put on real clothes, go to work for the day. And then the crucial part of this is when you clock out, is to change clothes again, back into casual clothes. So the idea being that we need to be able to create spaces for ourselves where we play those roles. So those shifts and changes allows us to be able to step into that role, execute, and then have a clear definition when we're out of that space. When we're working from home, that's a a really crucial piece to create boundaries and create differentiation between all of these things so that we can be able to execute in that space and then move into the next space and be able to be present for that. If we're carrying the energy from the uncertainty and stress of our professional lives and we're carrying that directly into making dinner and being with our children, they feel that, they know that, and it's hard to be able to be present with that. So whatever little habits we can create to be able to create these little boundaries for ourselves, the better. The lines can get blurred. It can become very ambiguous about are you at work? Are you at home? Are you there for your loved ones, for your kids? And having those transitions, which we used to have because physically we'd walk home or drive home or we'd transition in a more normal way, reinserting or maintaining those transitions can help the mental transition, which is so important. You mentioned too about in your routines, find out whatever it is that rejuvenates you and make sure you hold on to that. And also ask your spouse or your kids, what is it that they need to do? I like to run once a day. And sometimes in the last few weeks, I just haven't been able to do it, haven't got myself to do it. 
And she said, hey, have you done that today? It's important for you to do that. And I'm trying to do the same for her. And for her, it's getting out and walking our dog. And that's important. And you got to do that for our loved ones as well. I had a coaching call this morning with a client who was just noticing that what her, that was a really fascinating awareness, was that her previous needs are no longer what her current needs are. So her previous needs were, hey, I've been at work all day. I've been super social. I've been managing a kind of a high stress environment. So I need to have this downtime after work in order to rejuvenate and come back. And that experience has really shifted. So her needs now are pretty different than they were. And that our, for our family members, that their needs may be shifting and changing too. And that that's just, that the more that we can meet that with curiosity and openness, the more connection we're going to have. What other advice do you have along the lines of the seven-day challenge that we should be potentially thinking about to help cope and manage through this? Yeah, I use a, a tool called the Expedition Ascent Plan which is essentially looking at our lives in quarters instead of years. And so that's something I'm encouraging my clients to do right now is is to not try and jump ahead to a year at a time, to not try and think about like what's coming up next and what are these next pieces in our lives, but instead to think about it in smaller chunks. gives us a sense of a little more control. We can understand our impact a little bit deeper. So I'm actually doing annual planning with my clients right now. We've started just doing 45-day planning, and that's it. Like, what are we going to attend to for the next 45 days? What is the outcome we're seeking, and how are we going to get there for the next 45 days? Because as things shift and change so dramatically with new information and new technologies and just a changing landscape, it's not helpful to look out for a year because it feels penetrable, whereas a 45-day mark feels a little bit more manageable. That's another great suggestion. Matt, where can people find out more about you and your work? You can go to Matt Walker Adventure, A-D-V-E-N-T-U-R-E.com, mattwalkeradventure.com. And there, there's downloads for different products, free downloads for information on some of these different tools I mentioned, information about mountain climbing expeditions I take people on, which are clearly on hold at the moment, retreats that I run, different workshops, that sort of thing. I have a book on Amazon called Adventure in Everything. So go check that out. And as I mentioned earlier, my email address is matt at mattwalkeradventure.com. And I will personally respond to anyone that reaches out via there and share any of the tools that I can to help support in this unprecedented, challenging time of managing uncertainty. Well, this has been a really informative and valuable conversation for me personally, and I hope for the audience. Thanks for being on The Good Life. Thanks, Sean. Appreciate it. Thanks for listening to The Good Life Podcast. If you liked the show, please subscribe, provide a review in Apple or Spotify, and visit our website at seanpmurray.net. Until next time, have a wonderful week.